This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, you are listening to Love Sport and it's time for the Brentford Fan Show with the guys from Besotted. As ever, I'm joined by Billy the B. Grant and Katie B. Graham. A big, exciting, positive show we have in store this evening. We're going to be looking back at the Barnsley match and hearing from what Brentford fans had to say after that match about their team's performance. We're also going to listen to the thoughts of head coach Thomas Frank as per. We'll be talking to Paul, the exiled Robin, about Bristol City in the run-up to Wednesday's match, plus... We're going to be looking at the league and asking whether this season's championship is as strong as previous. Great to have you in the studio. Hey, thank you. Hey, you hey, hey, just carried hey, over from yesterday. Hey, this is there. I can feel it coming. <laughs> oh, listen, we're in a stadium. Look at this. We've got a stadium in the studio we anyway. Do, we do. So we thought we might as well recreate the stadium vibes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm glad. I was just waiting for you. I could feel like you were going to go, Billy. I could feel like it. That's right. It's been like that all day. Oh, yeah. Has he? Just Pent. jumping at the bit. Pent. <laughs> <laughs> well, as things stand right now, Manchester United are playing Arsenal and it is teeming down yes. with rain at Old Trafford. Teeming down with rain on grounds up and down the country this weekend. Including Barnsley yesterday. Yeah. Including Barnsley yesterday. Indeed. Torrid conditions it was. at Oakwell. It was. Stormy. Gosh. Stormy. Treacherous. That's right. But we're going to go with a nautical theme to begin with. Should teams have been pulling up to grounds in tugboats, Billy? Good question. <laughs> Good question. Could sides have prepared better for the wet weather? Mm, we don't know, do we? We mm. don't. But we thought we thought we'd delve into the nautical world to get some pointers as to how the football world and the nautical world could learn from each other. <laughs> we should as well. Because it, it, tell you something, it was so wet though the other day as well. And it made me think... You know, when we talk about the nautical themes as well, I mean, there's this old program. Remember Captain Pugwash? I do. All yes. aboard the Skylar. Like, you know, <laughs> we just thought maybe we could actually sort of turn up to... Uh Turned up to the game on the on the Skylark. Actually, <laughs> you know, it could have been quite an interesting. Uh, surprise me from you guys. Didn't <laughs> it's true. Actually, we, we tried to hire one, but they uh, they're all full. You know, I think uh, you know, Mill would have taken it down the river to Fulham or something. But um, but yeah, all all the Skylark. But I mean, I mean, you you were thinking about some sort of nautical themes, weren't you? Well, I, I was I was just uh, reminiscing about a recent holiday in the in the pub in our production meeting beforehand. Yes. Um, and I was telling Billy about my recent trip to New York, where oh. I spent a wonderful wonderful afternoon um, at the Coney Island Mermaid. Parade. Ah, uh, a veritable ah. feast of um, colourful hair and 
fishy smells absolutely d- delightful <laughs> delightful <laughs> afternoon i had okay. <laughs> fishy smells sounds quite interesting um for me as well it's, it's interesting because you talk about that about the mermaid i actually went to uh, copenhagen and i remember getting my bike i went with my son we decided it was half term and uh he gets an alternative half term to his sister so uh instead of him sitting at home for a week we said tell yourself let's pop over to copenhagen so he jumped to copenhagen uh we had a really great time he's i mean he's only he was only about 11 at the time jumped on the bikes rode all around copenhagen ended up also at the, the little mermaid as well which is that little statue on the water beautiful i don't know if you've ever been to copenhagen it's an absolutely beautiful city one of our posse out there puns part of the besotted posse he's out there as well so he's he's he's, he's waiting for us to go out there but it was uh it's it a very 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 interesting city as well went to places like christiana as well which is a uh, which is a world onto its own like you know i wanted to give my son a little bit of a tour but like i said to you you know that sort of nautical feel um copenhagen you've got the river you got the water and uh, i mean you you know about the the little the little mermaid don't you well um the little mermaid is uh, draws very heavily on the uh, very famous shakespeare play the tempest uh, which begins famously with a storm much like the storm we played in at barnsley ah, ah. so it's all the all started to pull together and, and you're talking about scandinavian links as well um and nautical scandinavian links. when i came back from i went to go to england play in finland as you do and we decided not to go straight into finland and back out we actually went to to estonia uh, took a boat a nautical theme over from Estonia to, to Finland saw the game and then on the way back from Finland we got this boat which is a very famous boat anyone who's Scandinavian listened to this would be laughing their heads off it's called the love boat okay <laughs> <laughs> it's called the love boat and basically it leaves at five o'clock in the evening from uh, from Finland and it goes all the way overnight and uh, and it arrives in uh, Stockholm at nine o'clock the next morning and uh, i was a little bit nervous going on it because i had i had no idea what to expect but it was just one of the most funniest experiences i've ever had in my life you know what i'm saying there's all these basically it's tradition for scandinavians to go on this boat at least once in their life and it's almost like a sort of kind of sort of like a, a strange sort of kind of stag hendu type experience so there's us as a bunch of england fans sort of in this boat sort of drinking our drinks and we're the most well-behaved people on this boat because they had people sort of kind of falling off from the sort of the second and third balconies like onto the dance floor getting dragged off into their cabins it was uh it was very very bizarre but very very funny the love boat so more nautical themes as we keep going on oh i would have loved to have seen where those people are i want to be want to see and dancing that's right that's right you probably probably actually didn't want to see them dancing actually because i think i think the the coordination was well and truly off like you know it's the best kind of dancing (laughs) it's it's a funny in terms of watching football in the rain it's kind of one of those things that you do, isn't it? Yeah. It's, 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 you haven't properly been a football fan if you've not stood outside on a terrace getting absolutely chucked on. No. And the thing about it is that if you get chucked on, it's, it's one of those weird things because if you get chucked on and you're losing, it is a miserable experience. But I mean, I remember when, uh, when the Beast played Fulham, the F word, sorry for mentioning it in the studio, <laughs> but I need oh, to at the moment now. Um, it's the, the season uh, when we actually got promoted to the, the league we're in now, 1992, second to last game of the season. Um, we, we, we actually, <laughs> as we do, we actually drove down from Aberdeen because we went to Aberdeen to, to see Falkirk play. And we overnight, we took a coach from Aberdeen all the way down to Brentford, left at midnight in uh, Falkirk, 
got into Brentford at seven in the morning. Was it went, called the Love Coach? It was the <laughs> tell you something. There was a lot of love on that coach that day. I tell you, went to the pub um, as you do at seven in the morning in Brentford because no one in the New Inn opened up for us. We used to drink in the New Inn them days. And then after I went to the game, and I remember it was the years we used to stand in the New Road, which had a cover over it. But they said we're going to open up the Ealing Road to Brentford fans. So we thought, brilliant, let's go in the Ealing Road because everyone's going to go in the Ealing Road. And we went in the Ealing Road, but no one else did. Everyone went in the New Road, which is covered. We went in the Ealing Road with our four friends who actually it's quite funny they actually got on the coach because they got so drunk they got on the coach um and about five o'clock in the morning they woke up on the coach go where are we said just outside london they got oh jesus you know and they had to go home and ring their mums like you know when they got to the pub say hello mum i'm not gonna be home for lunch so where are you because i'm in Brentford, you know i'll be back in about six hours but anyway that's a different story but anyway it was absolutely teeming with rain we beat fulham four nil and i remember it was oh it was so wet but it was a wonderful wonderful experience and another wonderful experience, Billy, occurred at Oakwell this weekend in the conditions we've already described. 3-1, yes. a hat-trick of headers for Ollie Watkins. We're going to get on to all of that. But first, Thomas Frank, his formation. It was changed, switched to a 4-3-3 from his trusty 3-5-2. Is it time? We've discussed this in previous shows. Is it time for Thomas to revert back to that 4-3-3? I think... I'm not sure. I'm going to sit on the fence because I think... Um, Barnsley were a good team to experiment against. I don't know if that's always going to work for us. Uh, for me, I think it's, got, it's, a, it's a rotation thing. I'm surprised that Thomas didn't do it a bit earlier. Like I said to you, maybe he was a bit too scared because he'd already worked. The, the, the three at the back had already worked for him, and uh, and so he he wasn't sure about it. But like I said to you, when I spoke to, uh, to Pinnock at the, earlier in the season, he said that we're going to rotate between you know three at the back and four at the back. And, you know, I think four at the back suits us against certain sides, maybe against sides like Barnsley, who don't come and necessarily shut up shop, you know. Um, well, they're saying that. I mean, maybe this, 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 this formation probably would work against teams that will shut up shop, but it really worked for us on Saturday. But I think we still need to, or Sunday, we need to look at varying between one and the other. OK, well, as per, after the game, you were in your customary watering hole speaking to the Brentford fans about that Barnsley game. And here is what they had to say. The, the result was fantastic. Uh, the performance was uh, uh, much better as the game went on. We started off so slowly. I mean, the, I think our passing was just nowhere near anything uh, for the first 20-odd, 25 minutes. Uh, we slowly sort of started to suss, I think, how the, uh, the ball was rolling and got a lot, a lot better as the game went on. I think uh, Ben Rama uh, is now getting back to his best. I think we had um, a good game by the end of it. It was just like controlling stuff, really doing doing really good stuff uh, Canos again lots of assists as we expect from him uh, we hit the, the bar and the post and missed an open goal in the same move um, but yeah no that, that was definitely us uh, getting better all those nerder wills that think that if someone's frank to go they don't know what they're talking about it wasn't like the old days where two or three goals would have gone in Preston last year that kind of thing you know they only conceded the one they, they stuck in there and then they got, their, they got their reward for sticking in there and knowing how good a side they really are. Ollie Watkins, I mean, there's been a lot of chat about him. Yeah, he's not my favourite forward to be fair. I mean, he's not a forward at all, is he? He's a winger. Anyone else in our division will go, that guy's top, top scorer in the whole division. We'll have him. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but he's not a striker. And he would even admit that to himself. But you know what? He's a great winger. He plays off the wide and he's come and he's done a job for us and that's fantastic but I'm looking forward to seeing Corrales grow into his role and then we get Halil back in January and it's all it's, it's positive days from now I do like Jensen I've got to be honest I think he, 
doesn't lose the ball very often. He's very, very economic with it, and, and he can open up the defence with it. Almost, not quite remain size, obviously, but, you know, he's got that uh, part of his game that he can actually hit a decent cross, get it over. Norsgaard, I find sometimes when he's... When he hasn't got the ball, he's a bit slow to react. He needs to learn that part of his game in the championship, really. Um, when he's got it, yeah, again, he's, he's economic, he's, he's steady with it and everything else, and he'll pick the right pass. It's nice to see us put a performance in. Just after, like, last few weeks, you know we've got a load of good players, but we haven't really known what to do with them. It's been, he's had a lot of grief in the last couple of weeks, Frank. Um, I'm not in that camp. I think, I'd stand by him. I think last year, towards the end of the season, he... Um, he had the same dilemma we had the defensive five and a three and when we switched it we started performing again and the same's happened today I think I think midfield is less the issue but it's probably that that shape thing forward and back today that's made that's made a difference to me I like Frank still um, people who say he's stuck in his ways I, I don't really see it I think he believes in the team the team has got quality and he's waiting for it to come good so the first half an hour we they, they hit us with a sub punch and then um, we were kind of just knocking it around a bit we're not doing much but it clearly, clearly made a difference in the, the latter 60 minutes of the game where we took control of it and we were making the passes were coming off in midfield, the flicks, the, 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 the tricks, the nutmegs, the back and forth, and, and it almost sorted Norgard and Jensen a bit as well. Um, I think Norgard grew into the game a bit. He did some really good stuff, also was also a bit soft in some points as well, but I, I, I think the formation change it has to stick now. It turns out Sammy Saunders on his commentary position with his amazing coat, we must add, uh, has, has come out and said that uh, side Ben Rama could nutmeg a mermaid. Love Sport. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Brentford Fan Show with the guys from Bissotted, Billy the B. Grant and Katie B. Graham. We just... Hey, hey, oh, hey, hey. <laughs> I like that. We should start every single segment with that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Just <We can> buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have been reflecting on that emphatic victory at Oakwell yesterday, and we heard from the fans before the ads. We're just going to now discuss some of those comments, namely one from Sam Saunders, Billy. I mean, Ben Rama. He nutmegs. He can nutmeg a mermaid. Nut, <laughs> nutmeg. Um, did you try and say that when you had a few beers as well? <laughs> he can nutmeg a mermaid, apparently. And uh, we were thinking, actually, it'd be great if he could nutmeg a goalpost, you know, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, it didn't it didn't quite go to according to plan. And, and Ollie Watkins as well. But no, Ben Rama, he's t- something. When he's on his A game, he's a brilliant player. We saw him last season. He was a brilliant player. He got injured. He, you know, he hadn't played since April. Just come back into the frame, thrown him in there. You know, we thought that he looked like he just wasn't you know massively interested beforehand maybe we were wrong maybe it's just the fact that he's working really hard to actually get his fitness back um last few games he was struggling a little bit but we saw glimpses of him and in the first probably 20-25 minutes half an hour this game again Ben Rama's like whatever and then all of a sudden he just he just sort of snapped into gear then he started to do all the little trickeries that you realize that is the player that actually makes us the team that we are because unless you've got a player who can start taking players on, start doing those little tricks, start creating those little spaces, especially even if they decide to block us up, a player who can open them up, if we haven't got that, we really start to struggle. So you see why Ben Rama is such an important player for us. Yeah, and it's kind of it's it's just great to see him back on his game and like contributing in that way. And given that Barnsley were quite aggressive at times in how they were pressing us, it's super important that Ben Rama can pull off those little bits of skill, those little tricks and create that space because that's what our game relies on, right? When we're playing well, is those those that quick passing, that moving into space. 
it was lovely to see as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Just I mean, you seen players nutmeg some players, but the way that he did it with the fact that he rolled his foot over it and, and Toby Sibbett was just absolutely nowhere in yeah. no man's no land. Chance. And it was just lovely to see. Like you say, though, Billy, I mean, it could have been four or five, maybe six. Yeah. He did miss a couple of opportunities, but it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter, but it does matter. I mean, the fact is that as long as you, you know, you, 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 you're positive about it, you, you realise what the, what the issues are and you deal with them. I mean, again, I know a lot of people sort of say, oh, no, not you and your XG again, but we <laughs> always moan about the fact that we have got a half decent XG, but we, we, we get no result out of it. But this time, for once, we actually had an XG, which basically mean that we were creating some great chances and we actually had a score to reflect it. So if you see the chart, basically the bigger the bubble, the better the chance that you're creating. And we just had some massive bubbles right in the middle of that penalty area which is basically where you want it all to be so we were doing all the right things putting the ball into the right place if you look at it when Ollie Watkins was delivering that ball and putting the ball in the back of the net in effect they were in places where it was going to be I hate to say very difficult to miss but you know the ball was delivered to him in the right spot and he just had to do the right things which is which is great for us and if we could do that more week in and week out then I think we'll be less fretting about being this kind of you know insipid boring kind of unable to deliver Brentford and more of a kind of like we're back on our A game yeah and I think it's also important that like we need goals from the whole from the midfield we need goals from the wingers we don't just need goals from Ollie Watkins obviously Keep scoring Ollie Watkins, please. <laughs> but um, we, we've always been quite good at having, uh, you know, wingers and midfielders that chipped in with goals and that really helped us out in that way. And we know what Ben Rama can do. We saw it last season and we want all bits of his game to come back. And that is true. I mean, you, I mean people have been saying that and everyone comes up to me. Even my brother messaged me from the States and he was, he was watching the game because obviously it was an international game then. And he said, you know, it looks like, it looks like Ali Watkins is your mean man, like, you know. And I was just like, well, yeah. I mean, of course, he scored all the goals. He's top scorer. He's got seven goals in the league which is interesting because we had the guy on the on the clip that we speak to a bit earlier you know from the pub who said um you know i'm no oh, he's he's not my favorite striker you know for me he should be out on the wing you know i'm not sure ollie Watkins, you know should be there and you know the point i sort of said to him i said oh, not be funny mate but any other team in the league would say we'll take ollie watkins and we'll put him up front so it's almost like we've got these riches where we you know we we, we, we believe you know we've got something which is actually really good but still we kind of probably want a little bit more and I think you know Ollie Watkins obviously doing a brilliant job in a role that's not necessarily meant to be his own but he's making it his own because he's a top scorer in in the in the league at the moment so 87.5% of Brentford goals this season have been scored by Ollie Watkins and it's an incredible stat that isn't it a hat-trick of headers too now yeah. I don't know whether you know this Billy Casey whether that's happened before for Brentford if you could think of a player that's got a hat-trick of headers is this the first time this is possibly ever happened i mean i can't i, I can't we, we we did discuss it in the in, in the pub after the game on on sunday and uh, we couldn't come up with, uh, with 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 a stat like that somebody did come up with uh, when we played plymouth and i think when we beat them seven nil or something like that i think there were four different players but that was a different stat that came out there but no I mean, you've, you've caught me on the hop here, and, and then and maybe if you'd asked me a bit earlier on, sure. I would I mean, have done a bit of research. I, I wouldn't have expected you to know. I mean, it's a very difficult one because immediate history is, is, you know, you've got absolutely no idea. But just to focus on that first half as well, there were chances at both ends in that first half. And we'll reflect on the goal, I suppose, that was scored by Corley Woodrow. David very Rea, good goal. Yeah. A very good goal, but David Rea potentially at fault and Ooh. then caught out mm. moments later as well. Oh, it's interesting you say that. Again, another discussion point, wasn't mm. it? We were talking about that in the pub. Yeah, we were we were thinking about David Rea's ability to stay on his line. And I think there's a little bit of anxiety amongst Brentford fans that he's not um, the tallest chap in the world. And if he's not 
you know, if he's not going to stay on his line, that's a disadvantage. You know, the, he hasn't got that reach at the right time. The right obviously, time, yeah. you see, because he's um, he's a good goalkeeper. And the, yeah. the, the last time he got caught up with a with a chance like this, again, where there was a chance from outside the area, which should never have been a goal, was Birmingham City, where you know, again, you know, the infamous XG, where their XG was so ridiculously low. I think the scientists were out with their calculators <laughs> trying to trying to work out how that happened. Same thing happened again today. Again, Cowley, it was a brilliant goal, fantastic goal, really well taken. But again, if you look at the, the, the chances of that goal actually really happening should have been it was was very it was, I think it was about two percent or three percent or something ridiculous. But he took it really well. He shot it. But if you look at it, Ray was about on his six yard box and it kind of went over him. And you got to ask the question that if he was on his line at that because he wasn't in, he, if if you you know if you played in goal, which I have really badly, um, you know that you know you've got to be in one position or the other. So what was he doing kind of on his six yard box when the ball was there? Because it's you know it wasn't affecting play. You know wh- why isn't he closer to his line or on his line where you've got more chance of actually saving the balls that's the question yeah I think so I think with modern goalkeeping now there is such a a dependence on being in the thick of the action and I think he was so keen to maybe anticipate the through ball perhaps he didn't expect Corley Woodrow to shoot at the time that he did that he thought I'm going to be advanced in case I need to rush out and block this and then play out from the back but ultimately yeah it didn't work out for him Sergio Canos however it seemed to work out for yeah, absolute hero in that game. Um, I mean, he's been great all season, working really hard, um, providing excellent sort of service from the wing. Um, but what two assists and a and a miss in that in that game? Yeah, and just like I mean, it's really nice to see him getting that recognition. Nice to see him working that hard. Nice to see him putting you know his teammates first. Because I think maybe a slight criticism of Sergi in that game was that he went for goal when he could mm. perhaps have passed it. I mean, I don't know that Ollie Watkins was like easily free and open for the pass, but you know, nice to see Sergi shooting though. Nice to see him sort of wanting it. And it's good for him to be in them positions. I mean, yeah. I think the thing with Sergi, obviously, the last few weeks, he's been playing this wing-back role. So he's been playing, you know, the full-back, the wing-back, the person who's got to defend and also attack. So he's been, you know, he's been going up and down the lines. And maybe for him, it's a bit of a relief for him to be back in his natural position where he basically has got one responsibility. Of course, he's going to track back and try and defend when he has to, but it's not his his number one job. So for him to go out there and his main thing is to create chances, to go up there, create chances for the, for, 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 for the well, for Ollie Watkins and the forwards and also, for himself as well so I think that you know he relished it and you could see um, it probably did him a world of good actually being probably in being in defence for a couple of games it probably made him see the whole the whole game a lot differently yeah and to see Thomas Frank on the touchline especially when that second goal went in real real raucous celebrations you can tell that meant a lot to him here's what he had to say after the game I think it was a very important win I think I'm even more satisfied with the um, with the performance and mainly the reaction to, uh, we talked about it before. If these boys they show effort, passion, and attitude, of the classic one. But if they do that, and we hit our level on the ball, we're extremely difficult to play against. And the last bit we talked about was reaction, um, and reaction to more, no matter what happening in the game. And we are going down one 0 after what one minute um, from a worldie. You, you can't do much about that. Uh, and then we just, you know, step by step, yard by yard, um, fight our way back into the game. Struggled 15 minutes, but didn't give that much away. Um, um, and then, you know, we start starting to create more and more. Second half, we talked about play a little bit more in behind them because they have a high line and we can run at them. Uh, don't have to have 20 passes before we score the goal. That one, winning all duels centrally, which we did. And then the coolness to, to, to make the chances bigger. 
terms of that, I think we did it well, but we could easily in the second half won 5-6-1. Impressive from Oli today. Uh, I must say, he get all the credit because he's a goal scorer and he's in the box and he scored three goals. Beautiful, fantastic. I, I can't praise him enough for converting into a new role. Um, but also I need to say Sergi Kanas, Saeed Ben Rama um, on the side of him. They did very, very well. Two beautiful assists from um, from Sergi and and Saeed was on fire as well. So um, it was promising to see the front three today. Um, I just, uh, you know, I, I like to keep both systems and, and swap it depending on the opponent. Um, the different game, what what is needed, but I definitely felt today it was needed to play 4-3-3 with a midfield three to, to dominate uh, central either possession or uh, second ball. The coolness, I like that from Thomas Frank, <laughs> the coolness, that's what he liked about the game. That's right, he's a cool cat, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting because he talked about the systems and he talked about, um, obviously, 4-3-3 and he said, I needed to play 4-3-3 today, dominating midfield. Um, and like I said to you before, we've been chatting about this a lot beforehand and we thought that the change was going to take place and I don't know if he just thought, you know, exasperated that, uh, you know, I don't know what, you know, not what made him change, we felt that he had to, but um, you know, the question that you're going to ask there is that maybe why didn't he switch it a little bit earlier in the season? Yeah, and I think I think what was so good about switching it to 4-3-3 this time was bringing Camo on and even though he didn't have a great game just him being there seemed to like um, you know shore up um, Norgard and, and Jensen and that was really nice to see because that definitely sort of hasn't been working it's definitely been a kind of weak spot for us playing you know playing through the middle with them um, and we just looked better we just looked stronger we just looked like playing the kind of quick passing aggressive football that we have been playing last season and have missed this season. I would say eventually, because don't forget, hey, we did go behind after one minute, yeah. um, which actually really shook us. And also for the first about 20 minutes or so, we were looking a bit rough, we were looking yeah. a bit ropey, to be fair. And everyone, I mean, everyone sitting there going, oh my God, it's the same old Brentford. Here we go again. You know, we're behind, away from home. We're not going to do it. So the fact that they were actually be able to pick up their game after that and switch into that next gear, I thought was a really good thing. But there Definitely. were worrying signs. And also the other thing is that, interesting, as he said in the second half, he told them to play behind their team because of their pressing so there's going to be gaps behind them so he told them to do that as well and also you know whether or not you know because Barnsley were pressing really hard for a lot of that first half whether or not they've tired as well so in the second half because we're quite fast and the way that we play we might have actually um, been able to break them down quicker be able to you know to break quicker and get behind them so uh, I'm, I'm saying that there's a really good result and I'm really glad we did all the right things but unlike Rotherham last year when we smashed them five on the beginning of the season I thought they were going to win the league by about 45 points I'm going to remain calm now and just say that was just one good game that we've done let's carry on and do it for the next few Okay, I like that. Very reasoned from you there. I am reasoned, I tell you. <laughs> like a wise old owl. Just before we move on, you mentioned the Sergio Canos chance. Was there any part of you when he missed that? And perhaps, like you said, the moment had gone where he could have squared it to Wally Watkins. If he'd done yeah. it straight away, it was on. I think he had to shoot by the time that he did shoot. Was there any part of you that thought, oh no, this is it now. That's the chance where we could have extended the lead and Barnsley are going to get back into it. Or were you both quite confident that you were going to hold it out? I think at that point I felt quite confident that we looked like we'd turned the corner because as Billy says, the first you know, 20, 30 minutes were not not pretty, not sort of um, didn't inspire any confidence. But then once we started picking up our game, once we started scoring, it looked like we were going to score on every attack. We looked really threatening. I wasn't worried at all when he missed that chance. I just thought that we were on some sort of roller coaster and we were just <laughs> going, 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 you know. So it was good and uh, it was buzzing at that time. 
Nice. Buzzing. Well, two teams who aren't particularly buzzing are Manchester United and Arsenal. Not much happening in the game at Old Trafford thus far. It is nil-nil. One chance for United just then with Andreas Pereira. Well saved by Bernd Leno. This, however, is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Next, we're going to be looking at the Championship because some fans are saying it's not as strong as previous seasons. If so, are Brentford missing a trick? Love Sport. This is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Me and Matt Beadle joined by the guys from Besotted, Billy the B. Grant and Katie B. Graham. We are going to move on now to a debate, a repeated, an often repeated narrative, I think, that the Championship currently has the weakest collection of teams. This kind of gets trotted out, doesn't it, daily at the moment? It does, and yearly. And, and I think about this, because every year, um, I think we've been in the Championship now. It's one, two, three, four, five. This is a sixth season in the Championship. And obviously the first season we came in the Championship, we went straight into the playoffs. And we were at that time, we were thinking, you know, when we when we, when we went up from Division 1, as all teams that go up from Division 1 say, oh, when we go up, I'd love to finish 21st, is it? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh, if we can finish 21st, I'll be absolutely delighted. All of a sudden, bang, you're in there in the playoffs. You think, oh, this is absolutely marvellous. Look at us, we're absolutely brilliant. So then after that... Every year after that, you're sort of thinking, oh, it's not as, not as strong as when we were in the playoffs. Like, you know, so we've gone sort of for like four or five seasons down the line thinking that, you know, the season that we went up was the strongest set of teams. It was Bournemouth, Watford and Norwich City that went up that year. We also had Middlesbrough, obviously, who beat us and Ipswich in that, that year. So you sort of, you know, you always have a little look around. Now, every season, you know, we had a, a bit of a tougher season the following one, but you're always consolidating. Then after that, each season comes along and you speak to people, they say, oh, oh, this this might be the season where we might be able to nick it. It's not as strong as it was before. You know, Sunderland came down one season and Sunderland were in all sorts of mess, even though they come down from the Premier League. And, you know, and so you're sort of thinking, oh, this is this might be the season where we can nick it. So every year <laughs> we've had this so far. Now, it's interesting because I, I thought about this because I saw a little piece in on the Sky website um, last week because QPR are obviously doing very well this season. You know, they were top six side. Somewhat um, surprised. So, I'd say yeah. uh, very surprisingly so. Again, here's a new conversation. <laughs> Obviously, it's uh, it's one of our, our old managers, uh, Mark Warburton. Um, and again, we're not going to go into the history of all that kind of stuff. But you know, uh, he's 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 been known to be a uh, you know say a very good coach. A coach if he, if he concentrates on just coaching. Other than other bits and pieces around him that that may have distracted him over the years, then uh, I think that he can actually take players um, up one or two or three or four notches that's what he did at Brentford you know young players and he coaches them and, 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 and lets them do good things and with QPR he hasn't had much to play with but he's got them actually playing some decent football very very old school Brentford like where you know they, they scored 14 goals I think and let in 14 goals as well <laughs> so that's very Mark warburton this. but yeah they're in the top six so uh, one of the guys from uh, one of our chums from QPR uh, Clive from Loft Words he actually wrote for the Sky website uh, a little piece that I put together for them there and uh, he said um, oh, we're doing really well. You know, we, we've played certain teams, but we haven't played the strongest sides as yet. Um, so we'll have to see how that gets on just before the match with West Brom. But he said, but to be fair, it's not a very strong league this season. You know, it's one of the poorest leagues. So even though they were doing well, instead of actually sort of kind of giving themselves credit, yeah. he was actually putting themselves down saying it's not a particularly strong league this season, which is interesting. And I, I do trust uh, Clive's judgment. So afterwards, that just made me think. And I was thinking, well, you know, you're at the top six and you're actually saying that. Maybe we should have a little look around yeah. and see kind of what's happened over the last few seasons to actually say whether or not that is right or wrong. Katie, what's your thoughts here? Well, I'm, I don't think that we've seen anybody this season who's been particularly impressive. 
Um, I think we've seen a lot of teams that we could have beaten on a good day, but didn't because we weren't having a good day. Um, and I do think there's a big quest. There's got to be a big question for us about like seizing this opportunity because it does feel like a weakened league. We do feel like we've got some great players and we've got some exciting stuff happening, um, and we should be sort of taking more advantage of that. I reckon. I think sometimes when you look at the championship or any division to be fair other than the Premier League in terms of whether it's strong or not you have to look at who's come down who's come up so if we look at those what you've got Cardiff, Huddersfield and Fulham came down last season right both Cardiff and Fulham not really getting into proper gear so far this season Huddersfield were rock bottom before the weekend of course Stoke having their problems Stoke not so long a Premier League club either and then you look at those who have come up so we've got Luton we've got Barnsley and Wigan came mm-hmm. up last season so Charlton. Charlton sorry so when you look at those six teams are we suggesting that they've weakened the championship from what it was before uh, it's diff- again it's difficult because we're, we're still only 10 11 we're still what nine games in so we're not even 10 games in so people are even like us acclimatizing what you can say is that obviously Huddersfield were on a terrible, terrible run from when they were in the Premier League. And I think that Huddersfield were on a struggle from when they went up because when they went up and they, they got rid of Weber, who was their director of football. Absolutely, right? yeah. Um, he was a fa- I think he was a fantastic director of football who brought in all those unknown players that no one else knew. And at the time, him and um, uh, Wagner... I don't know if they had a falling out and Wagner says, we don't need Wagner. He can go off, you know, we'll do it our own thing. They got their promotion. They went up. They stayed up the first season, whichever way, you know, probably through team spirit and everything like that. But basically the players that have been buying since then are wrong. And the fact is that if that is, if you haven't got that set up right, it can really hurt you. So they've obviously gotten a new director of football. They weren't the same as they were before and they really, really suffered. And now they're back in here and they've kind of gone backwards in effect because Huddersfield, when they went up in, um, Huddersfield went up in 2016-2017. That season, Newcastle won the league. Remember when Newcastle came down and everyone was going raving about Newcastle. Oh my God, you know, 50,000 stadium. Everyone wanted to go to Newcastle. Rafa was the boss. He decided to stay. Kept a lot of his players. Said he was going to re resort he's going to sort Newcastle out from top to bottom which he did because a lot of these teams don't understand about actually stripping it out and actually sorting out the bottom level as well as the top level Newcastle did well they didn't do as well as I thought they did to be honest with you but they did well that season won the league also Brighton who were a good team and they've been sniffing around promotion for a few years they did well as well and Huddersfield I thought they were a really strong team when we played them that season we played them at home and uh, and we found them really hard to beat because they were a tough side but also they played some decent football and then that season as well though there's Reading who are very lucky even though they finished third and they got a lot of points but they had the rub of the green and uh, it showed since then they have not been anywhere near where they were before and that's not knocking it because I've got Reading friends who said exactly the same thing Sheffield Wednesday who are always popping in the players but they've been spending ridiculous amounts of money to get up there and it never really delivers and Fulham who finished sixth place on 80 points and that's quite amazing because that's like you know that's the highest amount of points for a, a team to finish in sixth place I mean you know so example you know in uh, last season, Derby County finished on 74 points. So it goes to show you how strong that league was. Yeah, and when you look at the the stats that you've given in terms of those who have won the league, obviously Norwich, Wolves, Newcastle, Burnley and Bournemouth, who Muff. had... <laughs> <laughs> so, a little private joke, okay, I should probably say this now. In the break, I didn't know who Muff was. And Billy made a point of saying that you guys refer to Bournemouth as Muff. Lower league. Us lower leaguers. Yeah, Us lower leaguers. Sorry, I was completely unaware of that. How ignorant of me. But the fact that they are 90 points plus suggests, look, it's a tough league to win. And if anything, 
it's a competitive league. And if also we look, and this was prior to the weekend that we had some stats up. And if you look at where we were or where we are now compared to where we were last season. So Leeds were top with 17 points. This time last season, Leeds were top with 18 points. Then it was Middlesbrough at 17 and Brentford on 15 points. This season, it was Leeds. This is prior to the weekend's games. It was Leeds on 17, Swansea on 17, and Preston on 16. The previous season, in 2018-19, Norwich were 12th with 11 points. Now, they went on to win the league. Mm. So what does that tell you? Well, you, you get yourself on a run, and, and, you're, yeah. and you're there. And also, there's this whole thing about settling down, and Norwich took a while for them to settle down, but they were always a good side. They, you know, they bought for as well, just very much similar to us, where they bought for a lot of young players this time. You know, Norwich had a different mentality. You know, beforehand they were sort of buying all these big players with big money, but they were bringing a lot of these young players through, and these players had to come in and settle down. So I think you know, for them, it took them a while for them to settle down, and once they did, bang, they were off. Um, it's interesting because you've done these 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 parallels between the well, between the similar points in the leagues over the years, and in effect, what you're saying is that we're kind of quite similar to what we've been the last couple of years. Is that right? In, in effect, with the top teams, they're, they're quite similar between the point factor. So we're, yeah, it's, it's not, there's so. no one running away with it. Nope. So if you're looking at last season where, okay, I mean, ironically, it was Leeds United who was the one that was actually kind of, you know, top of the bill, but they ended up falling away. And it was Norwich that came out of the blue to be the top team. So what we're saying at the moment now is that you you can't really you can't really tell anything at the moment now. Um, really, you, you can, what you can tell is that Okay, West Brom, they haven't lost a match, okay? Mm. There's something about them. There's something about their mentality. They're talking about, you know, they've taken our player, Romain Sawyers. His passing, everyone's enthusing about it because he plays for now a, a much more um, glamorous side, a much a side that people know a little bit more. He's got himself in the headlines now. Everyone was talking about it. Whereas before, when he's playing for us, no one's really interested. No one really wanted to know. So you've got West Brom doing their business. Swansea City, I think, I may have hit a little bit of a... They had a little bit of, not say hype, but a good team. But, you know, they were up there. But whether or not they'll be able to hold their position, we don't know. Nottingham Forest, I think, are the interesting one. Because Nottingham Forest, they they signed about 455,000 players this season. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't sure they'd know which one to play. And obviously, they've got their new manager, Lamucci, who was at the game on Sunday as well. Ah. Um, he was, yeah. He was uh, he was doing a scouting because obviously, we were playing them next Saturday. And uh, I think that they're an interesting side because I thought they're going to blow out because they always seem to blow out. But he seems to have got them ticking in a way which has enabled them to grind out results probably in a way that annoys us that we weren't able to like they went to Leeds and they managed to grind out a result at Leeds they've been to places and you know put put the midfield up you know nicked the little points here and there nicked the goals there and there and they're doing the right type of things which is a good sign for a side that's going to be going up it is and often we talk about sleeping giants I suppose you could put Forest in that bracket you could potentially put Leeds in that bracket but just to finish on this Katie is this not why we love the championship because everyone bleats on about the Premier League which is going on now not the most entertaining goalless draw at Old Trafford and Liverpool are atop the Premier League by five points to the team in second place there is a five point gap if you look at the championship West Brom on 19 points you have to go all the way down to 13th to find Birmingham on 13 points that's just six points separating the top of the table to the team in 13th that's why we love it it's so exciting you just don't know what's going to happen absolutely and that is why it's great being a championship fan like not only is there some really really great football played in that league um really like classy stuff that we're seeing but also we don't know what's going to happen um like for us as Brentford fans we're just thinking if we can get on a run we can bounce up quite easily we can start sort of sniffing around definitely in the top 10 and that's when you know when we've got that little bit of hope 
that's a lovely thing to have absolutely indeed it is billy yeah i mean listen i, I love this league and it's a bit of a and it's one nil to man united i just want to say i'm going to do your little piece here <laughs> I, as, well, uh, <laughs> you know as man united just, as we're talking about this boring premier league football but the man united said actually no that's not the case we're going to score a goal and tell you you're exactly wrong but even if they scored the goal i still love the league that we're in the uh the 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 the, 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 the championship and it's one of those ones where we want to go up but in a way, we want to stay down. So it's kind of like you speak to a lot of fans. They love being here and they want to go up and feel being part of something which is bigger. But also they know, talking to Fulham fans and Huddersfield fans and even Watford fans and all these other fans, they say, there's something not quite good about it. There's something that's sapped out of it. There's a little bit of atmosphere that's lost when you go up there. And so we're a little bit nervous about that, I have to say. Indeed, nervous, but a team who aren't perhaps so nervous now. Scott McTominay, Scott McTominay as you said, Billy, has put Manchester United 1-0 up in that clash against Arsenal at Old Trafford. It's the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Love Sport. Yep, this is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the guys from Bissotti, Billy B. Graham and Katie B. Graham. And an interesting... <laughs> hey, of course, of course. There we go. Sorry, I should have expected it to come. Oh. Of course, coming up, Brentford are looking to follow up that victory against Barnsley with another win under the lights at Griffin Park with Bristol City, the visitors this coming Wednesday. Of course, Bristol City in a thrilling... 3-3 draw at Preston at Deepdale where they had previously had a 100% record I believe in all competitions so they've now well not of course not in the Carabao Cup they lost to Man City but certainly in the league that has now been broken delighted to say we've got Paul Binning the exiled Robin on the line to talk about the game this Wednesday how are you doing Paul? I'm good thank you yeah. good evening everyone hello Paul how are you hey, doing Billy? Hi there, very good. Are you all right? Yeah, not bad, man, not bad. A little, little bit nervous, actually. We've got the Bristol City coming down, and you boys, um, you're doing all right, actually. You're, uh, I would say, firing all cylinders. You, 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 you know, you're, you're scoring quite a few. I mean, I know you let in a few goals on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but like I said to you, you are, you're looking quite dangerous this season, aren't you? Yeah, we are. We seem to have uh, changed our style a little bit, perhaps. I think last year we were more tight than anything. We had one of the best defensive records in the league, and then... This year, we seem to be almost quite the opposite. Um, partly, I think, I, yeah, we've got a lot of injuries. We've got five or six first-team players. We normally have in the, you know, our first 11 out injured at the moment, including at least two or three defenders. So I think that certainly has an impact. Um, but yeah, we're playing, yeah, typically playing three at back. Wing-backs are getting forward well, looking threatening. And at the moment, the goals are sort of coming in from all angles. Hey, Paul, it's Katie here. Hi, um, Katie. I want to ask you about Daniel Bentley. How are you feeling about yeah. um, him between your sticks? Yeah, he's come in and been very impressive, to be honest. Um, I, you know, I know when we came in in the summer, we had a bit of a, a mixed review from the Brentford fans we, we heard from. You know, I think he had a very good first season or two with yourselves and then maybe not so good last season. But, I mean, he looks like a proper leader. Yeah, the character is clear. The leadership qualities are clear. And he, he certainly dominates, looks to dominate his area more than any goalkeeper we've seen down here for a number of years. Um, you can see how he maybe has some errors at some time, a fault from goals, the way he plays his football. But, I mean, you know, Lee Johnson knows what he's bringing in and he knows that's, that's a risk. And it does seem with football these days, that seems to be increasingly acceptable that you have the open stakes if you are able to play out from the back and you know, put attacks on quickly by doing that. Their managers seem to be almost accepting that you're going to concede a couple of goals a season by playing around with it and, and you know, messing around in the off what you'd maybe say in the old days at the back. But he's been no, very impressive, very, very, uh, very good start from him. And and you'd still say that even after those um, two pens at the weekend? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, you know certainly, you know, I don't think Bentley's been at fault for many goals at all this season. As I say, I think we've got 
We signed Thomas Callas in the summer for £8 million. He's barely played with an injury. We signed Jay De Silva also from Chelsea. He's not played since the first day. Um, we've got we had to sign Ashley Williams on an emergency sort of free transfer signing because we ran out of centre-backs. And we've got uh, Tommy Rowe playing left-back who's only ever really played midfield for Doncaster in League One before. So we've got a right hot pot at the back. And I think, to be fair, Bentley's doing his best to help organise them and help keep them as, as steady as possible. I mean, you talked about, you know, scoring your goals. I mean, this season you've got, you know, you've got Wyman up front, you've got Daidu, and you've got the old Casey Palmer as well. Yeah. Um, has this been a difference for you? Like, you know, do you, it's almost like you've got a wealth of riches on the, on the attacking front. Yeah, we've got a lot of options. Um, I think this is one thing you'd like to say about Lee Johnson. He loves the number 10, and I think Palmer certainly fits in that role. We have Jamie Patterson, we've let go to Derby on loan, we've got Sammy Schmodich who's come in. We've got a lot of players who can sort of fill in that role. And I think what we've done this year is, as surprising as it was, when we let go of uh, Marlon Pack on transfer deadline day, all our plays to go through him at the, the sort of base of that midfield. And you do a lot of sideways passing and a lot of um, you know, sort of keeping the game ticking over. What we've got now is a much more dynamic midfield. We're just getting the ball forward more quickly. We're getting players forward more quickly. Uh, the midfield are joining in. They're supporting Palmer. Palmer's a... Extremely talented footballer on his day, and has his moments, and and yeah, you know, other times maybe fades out of the game a little bit. But he's had a, he's had a good start. Um, yeah, DJ's scoring some goals. Andrew Wyman is. We've got other players chipping in. Um, the big miss for us really was Benicafe, but we had him on final on loan from Stoke, and he started really well, three goals in five games, and unfortunately then did his ACL in training last week. So really missing, you know, missing him as well. But we've got, you know, we've got we've got some good options, and one may continue. So look, Saturday. I mean, Saturday. It's not Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. No, Wednesday. You're coming down to Griffin Park. We've always had some really good matches, some really good ding dongs down at Griffin Park. We've had a good win on Sunday against Barnsley. We flipped our formation a bit because we felt that we needed to. Um, You guys are coming down. I'm just interested. How do you think you'll play? You know, are you going to come down there and park the bus as a lot of teams do, or do you think you're going to come at us? No, I think I don't think that's our start. I think we, to be honest, I don't think we're good enough defensively to try and do that. Uh, I think we'll we'll come at you. I suspect we'll play three at the back, as I said earlier, three centre backs. Uh, maybe maybe you know have a midfielder sitting in, but our away record is tremendous. We don't tend to go anywhere really in part of us. Um, no one's got more points on the road this calendar year than in England than us. Um, so we, you know, not many of them have been one nil wins in the last uh, few months. So I think we'll we'll have a go. I'll uh, say so our wing backs will get forward and. I, normally, as you say, it's a very good game between the two teams. I think it's got similar footballing styles, similar approaches to the game, um, and are probably at a fairly similar level as well. So hopefully, it should be a really, uh, really good game for a, a farewell to Griffin Park for us. That's uh, it's and you're going to be making a farewell to Griffin Park. I know sometimes because you're West Country and you're travelling. The last time I saw you actually was actually in, it was in it was in Moscow Airport, if I remember well, right, it was wasn't it? Airport, it was, That's yeah. right, as, it as you <laughs> as you do, you sit down there, we have a little chat, and uh, yeah, and then you go about your business, like you know, so yeah, it's yeah. international travellers, as they say. But um, are you going to be doing a bit of international travelling down to London on on on, on yeah. Wednesday to have a? Yeah, sure. And to be honest, it was. Pretty much the first picture I looked out for when it came out. I knew it was the last season at Griffin Park, and I one of my favourite grounds in the whole country. So, very much wanted to make sure I came to this. Um, we've we've sold out actually a couple of weeks ago. I've got we got dozens of fans on Twitter looking for tickets. Uh, I think we could have sold a, quite a few hundred more, to be honest, if we'd been able to. So. Uh, it's a shame we couldn't fit a few more in, but it should be a good bouncing away, and hopefully. That's right. And just give us a score prediction for the match. Well, the way we're playing at the moment, I think the, the way you guys go, I think. 
very possible we could repeat the 2-2 from a couple of years ago. Oh. We'll settle for that, I think. Okay, I think we we probably settle for that at the moment now, the way that you're playing, but let's see. <laughs> but anyway, listen, Paul, we might, <laughs> might meet you for a drink if you get down early enough on Wednesday. Welcome to have a, a few pints with the, with the Besotted crew. That'll be good, guys. That'll be good. Thank you. All right, nice one, Paul. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Paul. Nice one. Cheers. Bye-bye. That was Paul Binning, the exiled Robin. Billy, you are a, a worldly traveller, aren't you? I do like a bit of travel, it has to be said, yes. Yeah, about absolutely everywhere. Yeah, that's right. I've just plotted my trip up to Kosovo in November, actually. So I'm going to Kosovo oh. via Serbia. So I'm, I know things aren't... It's probably mm. not the best route to take. <laughs> so I'm going, to, yeah, I'm going to Belgrade. We're still having problems trying to find someone to take us from Belgrade down to Kosovo, um, unsurprisingly. But um, we, we'll get on it, you know. It's another one of those adventures. I might have to get the video camera back out. It's not been out for, uh, for a year or two, but I'm might have to get the video camera back out for that little trip <laughs> lovely well that was paul he reckons 2-2 we've got about a minute left so guys we'll get your predictions and a couple of plugs billy as you always tend to finish the show on that's right well i'm going to go for uh 2-1 to the mighty bees i think we're going to be back and flat uh back 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 and i think <laughs> he might actually flip it at home and he might actually go uh forward and back again stick with it i think that would be a good decision um i'm gonna say 3-2 <laughs> Oh, yeah, I golf fest under the lights. That's right, under the lights. So listen, but anyway, just quickly plug in. Um, It's all to plug. Prideofwest.london is our podcast. Just where you get hold of it. You get hold of this show there. You get hold of all our shows. And on Wednesday, obviously, we've got a match. But Thursday, we're going to put another little podcast. We didn't think we'd do this week, but we've got Nottingham Forest on Saturday. And we've got a nice little special for you. So little Nottingham Forest podcast on Thursday will be. And then on Saturday, obviously, after the match at Forest, we're getting up there nice and early to meet our Forest chums. Travelling up uh, by barge. Yes, right. We're going by barge. We're going to go to the pub with a barge in the middle of it. If you want to go up there, we're going to do that. So check that out after the game on prideofwest.london. We'll be talking all things barge this time next week, 8 p.m. on Monday. We'll see you then. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.